Reformed Church. And we can turn to it quickly, but Romans 5, verse number 8, said that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? That while we were still, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and, you know, that, that seems to a lot of people a very basic verse. And, and I wouldn't say basic from the point of view that everybody just understands it, right? I mean basic from the point of view that that is one of the most foundational things that we learn about Jesus and about how, how the judgment of God works. Like how does the Lord, how, how, how did the Lord see us, right? And, and how does the Lord teach us to also see other people? And it's, it's found really, believe it or not, right in that verse, right? Um, because it's not just about how the Lord showed his love, but that he loved us, right? He loved us while we were still doing everything wrong, right? In, in every respect, in every respect, there was nothing that we were doing good, and we were, we, there were none that were good in this world, no, not even a single one, but it was while we were in that state. In other words, while we were in a state that if we look today, and I'm including myself, right? Many times you would look at other people in the state that you were, or you look at other people and they manifest the things in their lifestyle, in the choices that they make, that they do things that appear, you know, that to your, maybe to your carnal mind seem like reprehensible, like things that, like, my gosh, like, how could you do that? But a lot of times what we think in our mind is like, how could you do that out in the open, right? Like, how could, you, how could you dress like that? How could you do that? How could you act that way, right? Like, we, we look at people sometimes, or, you know, how could you speak that way? How could you talk like that? But so, so we look at people, and we, you know, for lack of a better word right now, like, you, um, you discern them, or you judge them based on their actions, right? But, but the thing is, just take a step back for a second. How is it that God judged us, though? Because he looked at the world and he said, they're all guilty. There, there are none of them that are any good. None of them do anything good. There are, there are none that seek after me, right? There are none that love me, right? They have all turned from me, right? And they have all followed their own ways, right? And it was while the world was in that critical state, right, of sin and death, that he died for the ungodly, right? He died for us. He loved us, right? So, so th there, is, there, is something, there is something that is broken in, in, well, everything with a carnal mind is broke, but, but, but the way a carnal mind judges, right, a carnal mind judges according to someone's work, right? So, so you could be, you could be, um, you could be on a train or you could be on a bus, right? Let's say you're taking public transportation, right? And, you, and someone that's drunk sits next to you, Right? Um, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you wanting to get up and move away from someone maybe that ain't smelling very good, right, or, or, or is not, you know, is being disruptive or loud or whatever. But what I'm talking about is, is, is judgment, right? In other words, like, like, like judging, judging an individual as, as an evil person or a person that has that is far away from God or a person that's kind of like, like you've gone too far. You know, like the, the kind of judgment that, 
that causes you to push away from people. Not, not wanting to get away from somebody because they're making you uncomfortable in the present time. But, and, and I'm not talking also in this sense about hanging out with people, right? But what I'm talking about is wanting to push away from people, right, be, because of either their, their lifestyle, right, not wanting to even to minister to someone, right, because, because of the way that they look or the way that they act or the way that they're behaving, right? In other words, th- th- there are things that in, in the not so uh, distant past, right, and even things even in my mind even right now that the Lord continues to correct, right, because sometimes, you know, you, you would look at, let's say, a, a young lady who is just, and she's weeping, a young guy who's just, whatever, doesn't have the young anyway, but just a person that's just, you know, weeping and is having a hard time, you know, and you, you kind of judge, you know, yeah, that seem like pretty normal people, but she's just having a hard time, so let me just sit next to them and let me find out what's going on, right? And you would more very readily minister to somebody like that, right? But sometimes when we when, when we see people act a certain way, behave a certain way, right, we, we, we're more likely sometimes to push away from people like that, right? Push away, in other words, from people that even Jesus himself, right, pushed closer to people like, for instance, a prostitute, right, uh, or people that are depreciated by society, right? He pushed nearer to those people to see if they would hear, and if they continued to hear him, he would continue to speak to them, right? Where, where the kind of people that the Lord pushed away from are people that seemed acceptable on the outside, but on the inside were unwilling to hear him from those people he pushed away, right? So, so what, what I'm talking about is there is a type of judgment, a type of right discernment, right? That, um, that when, you're, when the Lord continues to correct your mind about living by the law of Moses or like where your righteousness comes from, where your justification comes from, when the Lord fixes that mentality and continues to fix it, and believe me, we're not at a place where our mentality is completely renewed about our righteousness, right? Because there, if we were, we would still not have elements left in our mind and, and we would be able to judge correctly immediately when it comes to how we see people, right? Um, so, so when you, and, and here's what I mean about it, when the Lord fixes your judgment about the law, right? It, when you understand that the only way that you are made righteous is by Christ and him crucified, right? When you look at another individual, you learn to judge them that same way. In other words, according to the righteousness of God, which is according to Christ, right? In other words, when you look at somebody, you can't judge them by the way that they look. In other words, that has nothing to do with their faith. It it could be a person struggling with all types of mental issues, right? Struggling with all type of identity problems, right? But that does not mean, right, that they are not willing to hear the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? In in other words, you, you can't say, based on the way you look, I can tell that you're not willing to hear the gospel because you haven't even started talking to them yet. If you go, if you go up and you speak to someone and, and you, know, you, just, you, you begin to, you, know, you find an inroad to be able to begin to mention something to them, you know, not obviously going up to somebody and saying, oh, you're going to hell. Obviously, that's, that's a stupid way to begin a conversation with anybody, right? You don't come up to somebody and say, oh, you're going to hell, right? Because, well, they could ask you, well, are you going to hell? I don't know. Like, what, what kind of way is that to speak to anyone, right? Jesus did not come up to people and say, are you going to hell? 
right? He, would, he knew, obviously, in the wisdom of God, the things that people needed to hear. And to people whose hearts were hardened, he spoke to them as people whose hearts are hardened, right? And to people that were willing to hear him, he didn't care what they looked like, right? He didn't care what they acted like. If you're willing to hear him, he discerned that you were willing to hear, and he would speak to you, right? So, so, so there's no time, right, where a person is willing to hear God that God is not willing to speak to them. Right? So, so, there is, so there is the one thing, right, that we don't, you can't look at someone from the outside. And, and believe me, I'm not, I'm not only speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself, right? You can't look at someone by the way that they speak, by the way that they walk, and by the way that they, they, they talk, by the way that they carry themselves, by, by the way that they, uh, I don't know, the way they act, right? And, and just make a determination in your mind and a judgment whether they are willing to receive the gospel or not, right? I mean, I'm sure Jesus, when he walked up to the prostitutes, he knew that they were prostitutes, right? And so did everybody else that was around there, right? So if you know that someone is a prostitute, that they're selling their body, right, for money, right, does that mean that they're unwilling to hear the gospel? No, not at all. Not at all, right? Because the reason, one of the reasons why they may be doing what they're doing is because they might find themselves, they might find themselves in, in, in this situation, in, in, in their own judgment, right, people without the Lord, which, believe me, we have the Lord and we have bad judgment many times, right? Now, imagine someone that doesn't have the Lord. They are to themselves, they are a law even unto themselves, right? In other words, there is a law that people live by that even though they don't live by the law of Moses, and I'll bring you to that verse real quick, but even though they don't live by the law of Moses, they do live by a law, and they judge themselves by that standard, right? And there are people that believe because of the things that they have heard, unfortunately, a lot of times even from the church, right? They feel that they have gone too far, right? That they've done things that are unforgivable by the Lord. So therefore, you know what? If you're in that place and you know, you know what? Not even God can love you because of the way that you live and the things that you do. You might as well just keep doing what you're doing or go even worse, right? And you may put on a smile on the outside, but you're as depressed as depressed can be on the inside and you're willing to just do it because you know what, it doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter anyway is a lot of the way that people have a mentality like that. I'll show you that verse real quick, um, if I can find it quickly. Um, in Romans chapter two and verse 14, it says, for when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, right? That was a, from the New King James Version. So, um, so what happens is that, that when, when you feel that the way God uh, judges you, that the way even people judge you, right, is that people, people and God will judge you basically by the good or bad things that you do. And when you think that that good or that evil, that the good or the evil really that God and people judge you by are the things that you do with this body, right? Then, then, then you'll feel that you are substandard, right? You feel like you will compare yourself among people and say, you know what? People are not living and doing the things that I'm doing. Therefore, I must be like the, 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 the bottom of the barrel, right? Like I'm, I must be like nobody thinks this way about other people. Nobody acts this way. Nobody sells themselves this way. And, and nobody has, you know, a, such low self-esteem like I do, right? And they'll, they'll diminish themselves like that because they're comparing themselves among people. So, so it is, listen, for, for, 
it, it is so important for the gospel to be preached appropriately, right? Because when the gospel is preached appropriately, it's not just, it's not just that you want them to hear the truth and, and know how the Lord sees them, but for, it's also important, right, for other people that you want to continue to hear what you're saying to judge you also appropriately, right? Because here's the problem. If, if all I can teach is, right, this thing against sin and you got to live this way and you got to live that way and you got to do this right thing and you, gotta, you have to be honorable to your spouse and you got to watch your mouth and you got to speak the right things and you don't speak death but you speak life and you say all this stuff, right? You will, if you hang around me enough, right, you will watch me do one of those things, right? And then you're going to say, you know what? You are a big hypocrite, right? Because you are the one that stands up there every Sunday and Wednesday, and you tell me that I got to live this way, got to live that way, but I just saw you doing this, that, or the other thing, or I just heard you say that, this, or the other thing out there, and you didn't even know that I was there, and I heard you say this word, or I heard you say that word, right? But so, so when I preach a, go- a supposed gospel that is all about right, right behavior, and then you see me break that, you're going to tell me I'm a hypocrite because I am, right? If that is what I preach, I am a hypocrite because there is no way that there is any preacher upon the f- face of this earth that could preach the law of Moses, right, and teach people that that is what God requires of you, that he himself or she herself, right, is not breaking that law every day of her life, right? You will break that law, and you will break it often, right? And when you, when you preach that, basically what he's saying is, he said, he's saying, that's why the Lord says, do not judge, right? Judge not, lest you be judged by somebody else, right? Because in other words, when, the way that they're going to judge you, right, is the way that you're speaking. So when you preach the gospel, that it is not about your works, right? That God is not looking at you by your works, right? That you were saved by the grace of God and it was only by Jesus Christ and him crucified that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me and that what you have accepted, right, is the spirit of the living God, right? You have received the spirit of the living God by the finished work of Jesus Christ and that, yes, the spirit of God will produce good works through you, right? But I'm not saved by my works, right? God is not demanding good works from me, but even though good works will come, right? If somebody does see you do something wrong, then that's why obviously we have verses that cover those things, right? When you see a brother doing something that is wrong, you that are spiritual, right, restore that brother, right, to that right thinking, to that right, in other words, to be able to see and remember who they are, right? You, you, don't, you don't bring restoration to somebody by correcting their behavior and leaving them at that, right? You, you can tell a brother, you say, you know what, I mean, that, what you're doing there, you know, that's wrong, that's not good for you, that's not good for the church, right? But I want to tell you, you know, remember, you have forgotten, like, who you are, that the only reason why you would be doing something like this so openly, right, is because you have forgotten who you are, you've forgotten what Christ did to you, yet you're thinking wrong, and you want people's thinking to be corrected, right? You want people's thinking to be corrected. Let, let, me, let me show you something. In, um, in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 2, let's, just, let's read from verse number 1. Romans chapter 2, 1. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 1. It says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. And this is from the King James Version. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, 
you condemn yourself, right? So that, that should be understandable, right? That when we, if you judge someone according to their works, right, you will be judged according to your works, right? Now, let's, let's not get this mixed up. This is not saying that if you judge according to, your, according to someone's works, right? Because you could be saved and you could love the Lord, right? And you could have the Spirit of God in you and you could still be judging someone incorrectly by their works. That doesn't mean God is judging you. This is not saying God judges you by your works, right? It, but, but, but what it's saying is other people will judge you that way. And there is obviously, you can see here that, that, that the, the way that God judges you even, right, is... So, so let me just say this. Let me just correct what I just said for a second. There's two elements to this, right? One element is the way that people will judge you, and another element is the way God will judge you. And it'll say in a second that the judgment of God is according to truth. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, God is not judging you according to your work. So you could still judge things incorrectly, but because you have judged, you have discerned correctly as far as who Christ is and you're growing in the knowledge of Jesus. Like you, you can't look at this and to say that, well, if I believe in Jesus and I'm saved, but if I judge somebody incorrectly, God is going to condemn me. That, that's not how that works, right? If you are saved, you are saved and you are incorrectly judging somebody else, right? And therefore you are incorrectly judging yourself also. So you're judging them incorrectly. They, they will judge you incorrectly, right? And you also, also are judging yourself incorrectly. There's no such thing as you judging yourself correctly 100% of the time and then judging other people incorrectly, right? Those two things can't exist. If, if your mind is 100% renewed to who you are and how you have been saved and how you were made righteous, you can't judge somebody else then incorrectly, right? Because your judgment of God towards you has to be the same judgment of God towards them, right? But when you, believe me, when you judge other people incorrectly, you are at some level still judging yourself incorrectly, even as it pertains to God, right? Because otherwise, you, where, where would your incorrect judgment about them come from? If your judgment about yourself is according to Christ, then your judgment about them should be according to Christ, right? In other words, the measure with which you're measuring them is the same measure that you're using for yourself to an extent, right? So, so it, the two things cannot, it cannot exist completely separate. Oh, no, as far as I'm concerned, I judge myself only according to Jesus. I know exactly how I was made righteous. Like, Lord, there is never a time that I judge myself incorrectly as far as your displeasure or pleasure of me or your approval or your disapproval of me. But then there are, but when I look at this one, yeah, I, I know, Lord, you're not pleased with the way that they're acting. Lord, and I find what they're doing reprehensible. When, when, when people's works, when you judge someone solely on their works, right? Believe me, you are judging yourself to an extent based on your works as well, right? Those things are not separate one from another. So he says, um, so therefore you are inexcusable, a man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. So, so what that's saying is when, if you are not saved, right? And you, uh, and believe me, what I was just saying, there is a, um, What's the word that I'm looking for? There is a, uh, uh, a thing at practice here. In other words, there's a, not, not a symbol. I cannot think of the word, a, um, a principle. Thank you, Jesus, right? Well, no, not, not th thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Pastor Mike. Yeah, <laughs> a principle at work, uh, a principle at work here of judgment and discernment, right? But, 
But what it's talking about here is an individual, for instance, if you picture, uh, let's put a name on it, right? A Pharisee, right? The Pharisees lived by the law and they judged themselves by the law and they judged others by the law, right? When they were judging the other, they were actually judging themselves and condemning themselves, right? Because when you judge another by the law of Moses, right? You, it says, what? It says, for you who judge practice the same things, right? But you, but hold on. What I want to make sure you understand is there is no such thing as an individual, again, which is what I said before. There is no person who can judge by the law of Moses that does not break the law themselves. So when scripture says that last piece there, that for you who judge practice the same things, the reason why there's such certainty in that thing, that you who judge this way practice the same things, it's because you, th- there is no way that anyone can be justified by the law. But the reason why an individual cannot be ju- uh, justified by the law is because of the weakness of the flesh. In other words, people will break the law of Moses. So the only way, the only way for a person to preach the law of Moses as what God requires of them are hypocrites. And I'm not just saying like hypocrites like to insult someone, right? It's just that you are a hypocrite if you are preaching the law of Moses as God's requirement for you because there is no way that you yourself are keeping it. So the actual definition of a hypocrite is a person who teaches, who teaches against something and does it themselves, right? So, so, so a preacher to get up and teach the law of Moses as God's requirement, you are a hypocrite in definition, not in an insult. In definition, you are a hypocrite. That is hypocrisy because I can tell you without even knowing you that you break the law of Moses, right? You break the law of Moses. Now, obviously, you don't teach people to break the law of Moses because they don't have to live under it, right? Sin is still sin. Wrong is still wrong, right? But, but the point is that there is no such thing as somebody that could teach, right, to judge others according to the law that are not judging themselves according to that same law. If you, if you see a behavior in a person that you say, oh, that's so reprehensible, when you do it, you will find it just as reprehensible, and you will do it, or you will think it, right? The thing that you see another do, you will do or think, and then you will accuse yourself the same way in your mind that you have accused that person. The same way, with the same severity, or, or even more so, even more severe even in your own case, right? It says, um, for you who judge, practice the same things. Verse number two says, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth, right? How does God judge? God judges according to truth against those who practice such things, right? So in other words, when he sees, when he sees uh, two people, right, one is doing all kinds of things wrong in their life, everything they're doing wrong. But they want to know. They want to hear Jesus, right? Like they would be receiving to the gospel. They would be accepting of the gospel if someone came and talked to them. And then on the other hand, you have another person who looks clean on the outside, right? But on the inside is unwilling to hear the gospel because they're living by a law, right? You take those two people and God says, judging according to the truth, right? Judging according to the truth, right? This one over here, right, needs to hear, and God is willing to speak to them. But the one, the one that is, is doing something in their mind and in their heart that God cannot forgive, right, is the rejection of the truth. In other words, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, right? But there is a sin that the cross cannot forgive, right? There is a wrong and evil that the cross, right, cannot fix, 
And what is that? It's the rejection of the cross, right? When you reject the salvation that is given to you, the, the Bible says clearly there is no other salvation, right? Like if you miss that boat, there's not another boat that's coming later, right? You may, now, now, we have to be careful even how I understood that analogy. That's why analogies stink, right? Because, because now that, what I didn't say just then was that if you deny Jesus when you were 16 but want to know him when you're 30, your chance is up. No, listen, if somebody says, have I gone too far? Watch, watch. Somebody comes to you and says, listen, I just want to let you know, you know, I, I know that you're a Christian and everything, you know. I, I've, I, 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 I just want to ask you this, you know. You know, when I was young, you know, I denied Jesus. You know, I was rebellious and I didn't want to know the Lord. You know, and I've just thought all these years that I've gone too far, you know, and, and I've been into drugs and doing all kinds of things to try to run away from stuff. And you know what, but I just, you know, I really do want to know the Lord. I, I want to know the Lord. I, like, I don't even know what that means, but, but I, just, I just want to know Jesus, but I just want to know if I've gone too far. It, that's such a simple answer to that, right? Because I just heard you say, right, to that person, right? I just heard you say you want to know the Lord. That's how you know you haven't gone too far. When in your mind you are still willing to be receptive to the gospel, you have not gone too far, right? Now, where you've gone too far is if you, you know what? In your mind and in your heart, you reject the salvation that Jesus Christ provided. That is going too far as long as you remain in that same mentality. That's as far as you will ever get. That's the brick wall that you're going to keep hitting, hitting right, in salvation. That if you continue to deny the Savior, there is no other salvation for you. And yes, that means you have gone too far. So if somebody comes up to me and says, you know what, Pastor Jose, I just want to know if I've gone too far as far as, as, far as God is concerned. You know, I, 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 I kind of believe that there's a God out there, but I don't believe that Jesus Christ is a Savior. I don't think he saved anybody. I think he's just a person that lived and he bore and he came and he died, Right? Have I gone too far? Like, yeah, you've gone too far. Yeah. And unless you fix that thinking, right, and you, and, you, uh, and you allow yourself to begin to hear the gospel about the Savior that came to save you, right, you, you have gone too far. Right? And, and, and again, that, that whole gone too far thing, I think a lot of times what people mean by that is more like, do I have an excuse to give up? Right? Can I just give up right now? Right? And, and, and the reality is that as long as someone has breath, they, they still have an opportunity to be able to listen to the Lord. They have an opportunity to be able to hear, I should say, to be able to hear someone that knows the Lord, right, and receive the gospel, right? Now, the Lord in his foreknowledge, he knows someone that will accept him or someone that will never accept him. Right? Even though they live another 50, 60, 70 years, the Lord in his foreknowledge, he knows, yeah, that person right there, he will never receive me. He will never accept me, right? right? So, so there is, there, there's an understanding sometimes that you can have by, about someone and like, be like, you know what? I, I don't think that person will ever receive the Lord, right? But the, the point is, there, uh, an individual who's willing to hear, have they gone too far? No, right? They have not gone too far if they're, and it doesn't matter. See, here's the beauty of this thing. Again, even though we may have judged them wrong, right? Maybe we saw them drunk. Maybe we saw them high. Maybe we saw them, you know, ch change their lifestyle, pull away from all their family, right? Move somewhere else, right? And just felt like, you know, they were just going down into a black hole and felt like they were never going to come out. Even though we may have judged them incorrectly, Right? Th that, that doesn't mean, right, that that is the way God judges them because the Lord knows, right, those that would be willing to hear him, right? Those that would be open to hear the gospel. Um, 
You know, th- there, was a, th- there was a young lady that I was speaking to on a bus a couple days ago, and, and she was just telling me a... Um, she was just telling me a story about how there was this one individual, one, uh, a nephew in her family that they have, um, the whole family has kind of ostracized, if that's the word, right? They've kind of pushed away from that, this one individual because of the way that they live. Um, and you know what? I always thought of that. I just, I always thought of that. I said, uh, I was thinking after that I was trying to kind of, I didn't, I didn't pry, but I was just trying to find out, is it because of like their lifestyle? And then she said, oh yeah, it's because of their lifestyle. So I was just thinking about that afterwards and thinking, you know, would I just push away from a family member or even from an individual? Like, like, like Lord, like I know it would be wrong. It would be incorrect and it would be not according to your judgment and your discernment for me to push away from a family member on purpose just because I don't agree with their lifestyle. In other words, the Lord is not saying go off and hang out with them, right? But, but th- there is, there is a, a, a discernment that's needed, right, that when you see someone who keeps going deeper and deeper into a hole, right, someone that is, that for lack of a better word, almost seems to be like crying out for help, right? Do you push away from them because you don't agree with their lifestyle or do you attempt, right, as, as often as you can to love them, to tell them about the love of God for them, right? And, and you know what, if they get to a place where they tell you, you know what, you have talked to me about this enough, I just want you to know, I want to live the way I want to live and I don't want to hear you mention Jesus to me again, right? Until, until they get to that place where they, what they reject is not me. In other words, when somebody, when somebody uh, rejects you, like, when they push away from you because they're living a certain way, but they have not, they have not pushed away from the gospel that I would speak to them, right? They, they just, they're just going off doing their own thing, right? I would still want to reach out to them as a person, right, as an individual, as a family member, as somebody that loves them, right? But, but, but it's a totally different issue when somebody says, you know what, I don't want to hear the Jesus that you preach. I don't want you to mention to him to me anymore. Now, that, that, that right there has nothing to do, in my mind, has nothing to do with lifestyle, has nothing to do with anything. You know what, whether you think that you're okay or whether you don't think you're okay, but one way or another, what you've told me is, you know what, I don't want to hear the Jesus that you preach, then, then you know what, they're the ones that are pushing away from me, right, because there is no way that I'm not going to talk about Jesus, right? Like, in other words, he is who I am, right? He has made me as he is. There's no way Jesus, my Savior, is not going to come out of my mouth, and I sure as heck ain't going to curtail my words when I'm around you, right? In other words, if, if people want to curtail their words around me, that's fine, but I don't stop I don't like choke out the spirit of God or tell them, no, Lord, like nothing can be said about the love of God that you have for them because like they don't want to hear it. Listen, if you don't want to hear what's going to come out of my mouth, which is already abundantly in my heart, then I know you can't be around me because all I'm going to do is stress the heck out of you. All I'm going to do is annoy you to no end. So, so because you've told me that you want to push away from me, then, then, then that's fine, right? So that's somebody pushing away from you. But to, to, to push away from an individual, a family member or not, right? To push away from a family member because of the things that they're doing, because they're into drugs or because they're into alcohol or because they're into whatever they're into, right? Obviously, there's a care that you have to take to make sure that the stuff that people are in, you don't get into it with them, right? So, so you don't go hang out in the places that they hang out and do what they do just because you want to reach them. But, but you don't 
push away from speaking the gospel, from loving someone, from telling somebody the truth because of the lifestyle that they live, right? In other words, that, that's where our judgment, as we learn to judge ourselves appropriately, as you learn to see yourself correctly, you will, you will have the discernment to judge other people correctly in the same way, right? In the same fashion that you're judging yourself correctly according to God, right? According to the cross is the same way you'll learn to judge other people as well. Um, verse number two of Romans two, if we can do that again. Romans 2, 2, it says, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And, and, uh, and do you think this, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? In other words, do you think that in, in just you appearing to be the judge of other people's bad behavior, do we think that that is the way that, that God is not going to judge you. In other words, when you judge according to the law and you live according to the law, do you think that you're going to escape that same judgment from God, right? In other words, you're going to be judged as a transgressor just like you're judging that person as a transgressor, right? Because you have rejected, you have rejected the sacrifice of Jesus, right, that delivered you from transgression, right? So that washed you and, and could cleanse you from that unrighteousness, right? But when you, when you don't, when you reject, when you reject that, the blood of Jesus and you say, well, I'm going to live by works and then you judge people that are, that, that are doing things that are reprehensible in your sight, you're just, you're judging them in the same way that you're judging yourself and you're both guilty, Right? The bad part about that, obviously, is that you're, you're, you as a, as a sinner, as a transgressor against the law of Moses, right, and a rejecter of the law of God, right, you, a rejecter of the cross, you are, you, you're, you're giving someone the impression like that's, that's how God judges, right? When, when, when there are churches that stand up and all they can preach about is sin and how you have to get your life right before God, right? All that they're doing is driving people deeper into a lie and into a deception, right? Where when we preach the gospel, obviously, we, we can help them understand the truth of how God sees them. And also, it also fixes the perception that even the world has of the church. Imagine if the actual widespread, if the actual widespread, um, uh, perception that the world had about the church is that the church was all about the grace of God, that the church was all about what Jesus Christ had done for the world, and they were of those that were receiving of the salvation of Jesus, right? Even if they didn't want to accept it themselves, right? But if they judged the church as those, even if they did something, somebody do something wrong, and they said, well, you know what? Aren't you the one that's always preaching about how you were saved by the grace of God and what Jesus did and that you're not saved by works? You know, but I just saw you the other day. You know, you you were talking this way or you said this wrong or I saw you angry and I saw you this. And you can respond and say, yeah, yeah, thank the Lord, right? Because you're right. I did do that. Right? I said this, or I said that, or I, I, I was angry, or I was upset, or I, you saw me do that. But, but they say, you know, but thank God for what he's done, because what he continues to do, he continues to renew my mind, and thank God that he's not judging me by my works, but he has judged me by my faith in Jesus, right? So, so no one can walk away from that calling you a hypocrite, right? But what do you say, what do you say as the one that's been preaching this law, the law, and that what God demands is the law of Moses and works from you, and then you, someone sees you break it yourself. What's the answer to them? 
Well, we all make mistakes. Well, that's not what you say on Sunday from the pulpit, that we all make mistakes. You don't qualify yourself in that same lump with everybody else, right? You're always accusing us of what we're doing wrong, but you yourself, though, are found doing the same thing, right? That's why they want to take that pastor then, and they want to hang him out to dry, because you're the same one that's always preaching the same junk to us, right? And, and, what, and listen, people, when they are taught to discern and judge appropriately, they will not only judge others appropriately, they will judge their pastor appropriately. They will judge their wife and their spouse appropriately. They will judge their friends appropriately, right? When you have appropriate judgment, it fixes judgment on many sides, right? It fixes judgment on many sides. Um, in, in verse number, let's read verse number three again. And, and do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or it says, do you despise, listen, do you despise the riches of his goodness, of the goodness of God? Do you despise his forbearance, his long suffering, not knowing, like you being absent-minded of the fact that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, right? In other words, like what you're missing is, like what you have actually, the reason why you're judging the way you judge is because what you're despising, in other words, is the goodness of God. Not knowing that the goodness that you despise is what actually would bring people to have a change of mind which will change inevitably their actions, right? So, so it's just, you know, you see that it is incorrect judgment when it has to do with other people means that you have incorrect judgment as far as Christ is concerned towards you. Right? Whether it be completely, like you totally live by the law and you have rejected the law of God, right? You have rejected faith in Jesus or you have accepted faith in Jesus and you're still judging wrong. So what, the reason why you are judging something incorrectly is because of lack of knowledge of the same thing about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you, right? It's just, it's either lack of knowledge of that. It's in, in other words, it's either complete blindness to Jesus, right? Or it's just short-sightedness. But one way or the other, it's the same thing. It's just a lack of knowledge, right? A lack of knowledge. Um, in, um, you know, there is this thing, if we can go real quick, Romans chapter 9. Uh, it, it's it's, a, it's a, a chapter in a few verses that I like to use a lot of times. They, 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 some of the first verses that come to mind when I think about people talking about good works and that like the way God judges or the way God chooses people when people say oh no because the Lord chose me because you know I was a good person like there are people that say that that like the Lord chose them into the ministry you know because they weren't bad like the other kids were when they were little but you know they kind of saved themselves you know and they were good people like that's a bunch of pig bath. That's called hogwash, right? The stuff that pigs take a bath in. That you would think that there was actually something good about you when you were little, and that because of that, God was so impressed with your good behavior that he actually ended up choosing you to be able to be one among the elect that get to preach the gospel, right? All of that is hogwash. It's pig bath, right? Because all that he said here, he's, he said he, in verse uh, 10 of 9, Romans 9, he talks about how Rebecca, right, when she had, uh, when, before she, she actually gave birth to two sons, right, Jacob and Esau, before they had actually done anything right or wrong, in other words, before they even were out of the belly to even do something right or wrong, it said God had already said and determined, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. In other words, that God in his foreknowledge knew one thing, this one will receive me, hear the truth and receive me, and this one will not. 
This one, Esau, will, has no value whatsoever, right? We were talking about the value of the gospel initially, right? D- during the beginning of the service, right? There are, the, Esau was one that had no value at all for the gospel, right? And, and that's why he was unloved, right? Why? Because he had no value for the love of God. Therefore, God cannot love the people that do what? That reject his love, right? Listen to that again. Can God love someone who rejects his love. I mean, obviously God so loved the world, but God cannot give you his love if you push it away, if you reject it, right? He ain't gonna cram it down your throat. He's not, you're not gonna enjoy the benefits of what the love of God is in your life, right? Because you've pushed it away, right? Esau, I have hated. Jacob, I have loved. You clearly see, clearly see, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, right? Why? He, because they are the fathers of what? Of faith in Jesus Christ. Not, not, not the fathers of those that don't lie. Not the father of those that don't deceive. Not the father of those that don't speak untruths. Not the father of those that don't do stuff that's wrong. The father of those, right? He is the father of those that believe, right? In other words, Jacob was one that obviously, by what's written, and I, 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 didn't, I wouldn't have to read something written about him to know he didn't do everything right. Because no one, no man ever that has lived has done everything right, right? The only one that has ever lived that did nothing wrong was Jesus that lived a sinless life, right? And thank God for that because he became our spotless lamb, right, that could take our sin. Otherwise, he would have been crucified for his own sin. But, but the, the fact that, that Jacob was chosen before he could even do anything right shows you that it is not, right, the election of God, the choosing of God is according to faith in Jesus and not according to the works of men, right? It's according to faith in Jesus and not the works of men. Verse number 10 says, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, right, considering, you know, father Isaac speaking to his faith, it says, for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil, good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. Right? So before they could do anything right or wrong, right, it was already determined. God in his foreknowledge, he knew Jacob will receive me. His heart will receive the gospel. Um, you know, something, again, these are things that you have heard today. Even Hollywood uses it as kind of jokes in even movies. That, you know, when people says, oh, you go to hell. Oh, they say, oh, I know I'm going, right? In other words, why do they say that? Why, why is it even a thing that's almost acceptable for someone that in a movie you see doing things that are not right? Oh, yeah, I know. I know I'm going to hell, but whatever, I'm bringing you with me, right? Why is that like a thing today? Because the way people think is, in other words, how is it that a person... Um, how, how does a person judge themselves that says that? They judge themselves by their own law. They are a law unto themselves. In other words, in their law that they live by, they know that they break it. And because they consider themselves transgressors, when somebody says, oh, you, go, you go to hell, yes, I know I'm going to, right? But not because God has told them that. Because God has told no man that, that by your works, you're going to hell. God has said that there are those that are evil workers, right? 
He has called people evil workers. And what God calls evil workers, I'll show you in a second, are those that are against the gospel. He calls them evil workers, right? Those that are, he puts them in the same category as mutilators or those that believe that you, that you are, that you are made righteous, right, by the things that you do in your body, right? But, but, but the thing to understand is when people say that, that when they say, yeah, uh, oh, are you going to hell? Yes, I am. I am, right? The reason why people say that is because they're judging themselves by their own law, not by the law of God. In other words, if they knew the truth, how is it, how does God make a determination of who is condemned and who's not, right? The, the only people that can be condemned are people that have, that have rejected the salvation that Christ has provided. If you haven't rejected that, right, you have not gone too far and just giving up on yourself to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to hell. Listen, people with that kind of mentality will continue to do wrong. And they'll do wrong and many times will do wrong on purpose, right? And they will commit crimes and they will do things to justify the way that they're living because after all, I've gone this far. I might as well just keep going now because there's no hope for me, right? People will say that. There's no more hope for me anyway. Why do you say that? Because you're judging by your standard. You're, you have become a law unto yourself in your mind. You condemn yourself by your own standard. That doesn't, that doesn't even have to be anybody around them telling them that. There doesn't even have to be anybody around them condemning them. But just the fact that they feel rejected by society or by most people, right, they, they have taken that to mean, or not even just society, but even the church itself, right? The church to reject people because they were caught doing something wrong instead of bringing restoration to a mind that, may, that just needs more renewal, right? Why would we ever reject somebody who, who is doing, who was caught in doing something wrong? Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I, there is definitely no time to go into it today. But you may be thinking about uh, an instance where even Paul, uh, he, he encouraged the church, right, to to bring discipline upon a specific man within the church, right, that was doing something wrong. But you know the funny thing is um, that, and again, we won't go into it, at least not this service, but, but there was a, there's a point that Paul makes about the, the pride, and actually he calls it like arrogance with which it was being done, right? Like th there's a difference. There's a difference between an act being done and you even getting caught, right? And you wanting the Lord to correct what you're doing versus an individual who supposedly, quote unquote, is part of the church, right? And I say supposedly because I don't know the context of that, whether they were even saved and knew the Lord, right? But the point is, but they were doing what they were doing, which is like sleeping with their father's wife and arrogantly and pridefully speaking about it. So much so that even, even Paul heard about that, right? So there's a difference between that, right, somebody bragging about the things that they're doing because I have doubts in my mind about a person even being saved that does that, right? But putting that aside, the thing is what the church does is the church catches somebody doing something and they want to kick them out of the church, right, because they were caught doing something. But, but the, the point is like we, we've kind of we've missed it, right, because we judge ourselves inappropriately. We have learned by that same incorrect judgment to also judge others, right? The people that need the church, right? The people that need the church are among those, right? That just those that are willing to hear. I remember even when we first started the church, there was a gentleman who loved to come, loved to come to church, right? But he drank heavily all the time. He was a heavy, heavy drinker. And so many times he would get up in the morning and, and, and you know, some of that also was lack of judgment on my part right for zeal of wanting to get 
someone to come to church, even when that person was drunk, I would bring them in and sit them down, right? But, you know, if you're drunk, you need to sit home and get sober, right? So we could, we, we could have been a little bit more forthcoming helping somebody get sober instead of bringing them to church drunk where you can't even hear anyhow, right? But, but the point is, you know, often when I think about them, right, um, if I don't see him again before Jesus comes back, just that, you know, I, I think about that him sometimes about how, you know what, if, if he would have known what we know today, right? And we were just growing. We were in the very beginnings of a lot of the things that we, look, we know now. If he would have known that, like how maybe that would have helped him see himself a little differently, right? That, that if we would have, and believe me, I think he knew, he sensed the love that we had for him, right? But, but I think, you know what, just him on a large scale, right? Whether, whether you drink or you don't drink, right? Whether you are just what people would call just a normal person, right? Um, that, that we would learn to not judge people outwardly by either the way that they're dressed, by the way that they carry themselves, right? The Bible talks about, you know what, you see somebody dressed in rags and you make them sit in the back, but the one that's dressed very elegantly and very nicely, you, you, you'll give them the best seat in the house, right? Like, in other words, like judging things by the appearance of men, but that we would be those, that you would, that you would allow the Lord to renew your mind fully, fully to what it is, where your righteousness comes from, how it is that you have been made who you are today, to be able to help you to also judge other people appropriately as well, right? And, and when you see that, when you see that your judgment towards others is off, right? That's just, that's just a, a symptom of the fact that, you know what, Lord, keep renewing my mind, Lord. Keep teaching me, Lord Jesus, right, who, who it is that uh, you have made me and how it is that you have made me the righteous of God that I am right now. Let, let, me, let me go ahead and just wrap up here. Let me see where's a good part to uh, um, end here. <clears throat> All right, let me see if I can bring you to two verses and we're going to wrap up. So we're going to go to Matthew 7, 1, and then Luke 6, 27. And they're very um, related to one another, and I think they have good uh, reference to what we're talking about here. So Matthew 7, 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with, the, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? In other words, you see that, right? If I, if I well, let me, let, me read, let me read a little bit more so you can see where he's coming from. Uh, he says, or, or how it says, can you say to your brother, verse 4, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Verse 5 starts off saying hypocrite, right? So, so you already know what he's talking about. When he calls him a hypocrite, right, what he's saying is you're correcting, you're correcting someone's behavior, right? You're correcting someone's actions. You break the same thing that you correct. So therefore, what, you, what you're doing is you, you, you're trying to remove a speck in your brother's eye, but you have a plank in your own. In other words, you're, you're living by a law, and you're judging someone else by a law, therefore you're a hypocrite, right? Because the very thing, so obviously this is not talking about you speak the gospel to somebody and you do something wrong. That's not hypocrisy. 
If I tell somebody that they're saved by the grace of God and by the finished work of Jesus, and I do something wrong, that doesn't disannul what I just said, right? But it does disannul what I say when I tell someone that what God requires from them is for them to keep the Ten Commandments, and then I break the commandments myself. That makes me a what? A hypocrite, right? That makes me a hypocrite. That's why we quoted, obviously, Romans, Romans 2, 1 before, right? You condemn yourself because you practice the same things, right? You preach something, you do the exact opposite. It says, first... It says, hypocrite, it says, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So in other words, when you see the truth, that the truth is the, the, that, that it is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that saved you, then you will see clearly to be able to what? To preach the same gospel to that person who may have a speck in their eye, and their works will be fixed by the gospel that you're preaching to them. So in other words, their actions that you were judging incorrectly before, their actions will be fixed right, by right thinking. So, so that is a way for you to right, remove, if you will, the speck in your brother's eye right, by preaching the truth to them. right? Because what? Because you have judged the same truth for yourself, right? Um, Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27 says, um, but I say to you, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Keep in mind, right, that this is the exact, what the Lord is saying here about loving your enemies, right, that's something that the Spirit of God does, right? The first fruit of the Spirit is love, right? So loving your enemies, obviously, it's not like, the, fir the first fruit of the Spirit is love, but when God says, love your enemies, he's asking you to do that. He just said it's the fruit of the Spirit, love, right? If something is the fruit of the Spirit in you, he's not asking you to love them. He's saying by the Spirit of God in you, right? In other words, by your perfected Spirit that's been united to his, love will come out of you, right? But he's not asking you to do a work by your own strength. He's saying it's by the Spirit that it's done. But anyway, so that's why he says here, when, what he's, he's asking us to do the opposite of what the world does. The world loves those that love them. Here he's saying, we can love those that don't even love us. That's, that's living contrary to the world. When you have the Spirit of God, by the power of God, you can do that. You can prosper when the world is dying. You can have health when disease is consuming a world. You can love when everybody hates you, right? It's, you're doing it by the power of God. The power of God is dependent on nothing in this world, whether it's love, whether it's prosperity, whether it's health. It has nothing to do with the condition of the world. It has everything to do with the eternal life on the inside of you. So he says, bless them that curse you in verse number 28 and pray for them which despitefully use you and unto them, unto him that spites you, uh, that smiteth you, sorry, um, on the one cheek offer also the other and him that takes away that cloak forbid not to take that coat also. Give to every man that asks of thee and of him that takes away your goods, ask them not again. Verse 31, and as you would, now listen, because... People, even in the world, try to live this way, supposedly by the golden rule, but they don't get it anyway. It says, as, as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Here's all that that's saying. The, the way the world lives, right, is that if you love them, they love you, right? If you give to them, they'll give to you. Right? You get it? Right? If you buy somebody a gift, what do they want to do? Oh, now I got to buy you a gift. Now, they don't want to really buy you a gift. They're just giving you a gift because you gave them a gift. Right? So when the, when the world reciprocates an action, they're doing it because you did it to them. Right? If you said, listen, I hate your guts. Why? Well, I hate you too. Right? Because what you do to them, they're going to do to you. So all you're saying is what you want to get back from men, you do to them. Right? And many times you'll what? Get that in return. 
right? Now, we have made all this mean something totally different. But anyway, and you'll see why. So keep that in mind, right? This is what you want men of this world, people, right, to do to you, do also to them likewise, right? Even if, even if they don't like you, even if they are trying to, like, mess your life up, even if they're trying to do like that, don't, don't, don't repay, right, the, what the, the evil that they're doing to you with evil to them, right? Right? Because anybody can do that, right? You don't need, without Jesus, you can do that fine, right? You can do evil to those that do evil to you and hate them that hate you. Verse number 32, for if you love them which love you, what, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them, right? There it is. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? Uh, for sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? Right? For, your, uh, for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again, right? Um, but love you your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil, right? But so, so what he's saying there, right, is that not that God is going to reward you for your good works, right? But because, right, your value that you have isn't Christ and him crucified, right? He is to you. He is your reward, right? Christ is the one that has given and provided all things to you, right? So he says in verse number 37, now, now keeping that in mind, right? Do unto men as you would have them do to you. In verse number 37, he says, judge not and you shall not be judged, right? By who? Men will not judge you, right? If you're not judging them according to the law, they're not going to judge you according to the law, Right? Right? And, and even if they did, if you didn't judge them according to the law and they tried to judge you by that law, right, your response to that is that you don't live by the law of Moses, right? So if you, if you, if you don't live under a law, they can't judge you under that law if you don't live under it, right? Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. If you condemn someone for an action and you do it yourself, they're going to then condemn you the way you condemn them, right? That's how the world is, right? Um, he says, and, and, and you judge not, and you shall not be judged, condemned, and you shall not be condemned, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Now, what that does not mean, right, that God is going to forgive you if you forgive somebody else. And if you don't forgive somebody else something that they've done wrong for you, then God's not going to. This is not talking about God's reaction towards you. It's talking about men's reaction to your judgment, men's reaction to your unforgiveness, right? It says if you, whatever you want men, it doesn't say what you want God to do unto you, do it unto men. It said what you want men to do unto you, you do unto men, right? It's not talking about God here. So, so it says um, give, look at verse number 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Why do we take that to mean that it's God giving you money. Because men quote that stuff. Give and it'll come back to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. But watch though. This is talking about men's judgment towards you, men's condemnation towards you, right? And, then, and, and even though, right, there is a principle here that if you judge and you live by the law and you judge by that law, you are already condemned. You've condemned yourself, right? God provided his son as salvation for you and you've condemned yourself. But it says here, uh, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men, men give unto you. But it didn't say God will give unto you when you give to them. It didn't say give and give a hundred and God will give you a thousand, right? That's not what that says. It said men will give unto you. Why? Because that's how men in the world are, right? When you give to them, they'll want to give back to you. It's, it's, not, it's not that God, it, it, in any way, I mean, we've learned this, right? God does not give people money, <laughs> right? 
God gives you the power to get wealth. And you don't get the power to wealth because you gave to somebody else, right? You have the power to wealth, and, the, and you have more. You exercise that power to wealth by what? By growing your knowledge of Jesus. It has nothing to do with how much you give to somebody else, right? When you give to somebody money, you know, they'll come back if they were poor and they couldn't repay you, and then, you know, they get a great job, and they remember the good deed that you give, and then they give you a huge whatever, right? They come and they buy you a new car. Oh, great. They're just repaying you for what you did to them. The world works like that, right? It loves those that love them. It loves those that love them. For with the same measure that you met, that you met with all, it shall be measured to you again, right? So, so you know what? I, just, to, just to wrap this up here, you know, there, there are obviously things that we can talk about, you know, falling from the grace of God. But with all of that, anytime that you ever see, uh, anytime that you ever see people being concerned, have I, have I fallen from the grace of God? Have I gone too far? Have I... Have I um, have I just, you know, do I have kind of like an excuse to just give up in life? You know what? You, you, you always know as long as someone is asking, right? As long as someone is asking from the Lord, someone, as long as somebody's asking, God, help me, right? H- how close are they? They're as close as someone being able to preach the gospel to them and them saying, yes, Lord, thank God, I receive what you've done, even though I can't even fix the problem that I'm in right now, right? Most people are in a circumstance, right? If they're in, in, a, in, a, in a problem, any, any kind of problem having to do with their flesh, right? They don't feel like they can just fix it themselves, right? Or if they can, they keep trying and trying, and then they keep failing, and then they get to a point where it's desperate, and they say, like, okay, yeah, now I have come to the conclusion that I can't fix this, but you were never able to fix you anyway, right? Never. You were never able to fix you. And if you're still today as a Christian, still trying to fix yourself, let me give you the, the news now. You can't fix yourself. That's why you accepted what Jesus did for you. Because he has already fixed all of your problems. Already. And has given you the power on the inside of you for you to be able to receive, right, all, all of the power that is needful for you to overcome anything in this world because he has already overcome all of it. So you trying to continually try to fix yourself isn't helping anything because you're just living in, in a certain way where you're bound to disappoint yourself. That doesn't mean you can't, okay, if you have an issue with overeating, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go into DeFilippi's Bakery and just sit there and just stare at the glass, right? I mean, God's not asking you to test yourself, and he sure is not asking you to test him right? So there's a difference between testing yourself and testing God or to just being at a place in your life where, you know what, Lord, I need, I, even if you're saved, right, Lord, I need the abundance of the power that I have on the inside of me, Lord. I need that, Lord, to be working more in this area of my life, Lord, and I'm, I'm continually to renew, renewing my mind to the things that you have done, continue to acknowledge every good thing that is in you, and we'll see that fruitfulness come, right? We hope you enjoyed this message from Reformed Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this unpopular message to the world. If you'd like to support Reform Church, you can do so at reforminus.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reforminus.com.